0: All right, welcome to another episode of Catholic Mindset, where we create Catholic content for Catholics. Today we have Katie Brown. She is the director of the Marian Blue Wave program at the American Life League. The American Life League is the oldest Catholic pro-life organization in the United States. Katie, how are you doing today? Thank you for joining us.
1: I'm good, Alejandro. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: I'm excited as well. I found you guys online and now we are here. And so it's exciting. Mm -hmm. absolutely so Katie uh, would you mind leading us in prayer of
1: course in the name of Father Son Holy Spirit amen Lord we thank you for giving us this time to come together uh, to grow with one another to grow in your name uh, to do all things in your name we ask that you bless everybody listening in on this podcast may their work uh, glorify you and uh, your son and we ask this in the name of Jesus
0: Christ our Lord amen amen so we like to start with an icebreaker and the question is what does your heart desire the most sure
1: so my answer is going to be to serve the lord and that's definitely a basic catholic answer um, <laughs> but it is true
0: no that's great that's great so let's dive right in i know that you are the as you as as i we stated at the beginning that you are the director of the blue wave of the american life league but for those that don't know, what is the American Life League?
1: Sure. So the American Life League was founded back in 1979. Uh, my grandmother was actually one of the founders of the American Life League. And she, before she founded it, it worked for the a National Right to Life. So she was kind of in the pro-life movement for a very long time. Um, and in 1978, she was actually asked to lead National Right to Life. Uh, but she had to say no because they would not take a position on contraceptives. And she really thought, and and she was right, and believed that the contraceptives, like birth control and things like that, were the root of all the you know sexual promiscuity and the reason mm-hmm. we had her in, in the first place. Um, and that kind of contraceptives were the root of everything. So when National Right to Life refused to take a stance on contraceptives, she couldn't become the leader of it because it was against her. Um, her morals so she and a group of eight other people started the american life league to be completely pro-life no exceptions no compromise but most importantly to do so you know with no exceptions no compromise not just with abortion but also with contraceptives so american life league like i said has been around since 1979 and we do a lot of education so we have a lot of resources online um and and print brochures and things like that as well just to educate people on more of like the scientific side of abortion and life issues but then also everything that we do is in accordance with the catholic church too so we do, and through that we have a lot of different programs but everything is kind of geared towards that education mindset uh, because my grandmother and our founders all really strongly believed that if we educated society on what abortion really is you know what birth control really does and you know what life issues really are Nobody would really end up being pro-abortion if they really knew what it was. So that's kind of our main goal is to educate society through our different channels and programs that we
0: have. So you mentioned what you teach people, you know, what uh, abortion really is and what birth control really is. Can we can we dive into that? Can we start with birth control? Of
1: course. So and actually this is kind of like more of an anecdote. I guess I had a caller maybe a week or two ago who called me asking what the different types of contraceptives were and then if I could recommend like the lesser of all the evils which of course there is no lesser of all evils because I mean if you're Catholic and you really believe that you know contraceptives are bad there is no lesser of the evil so it was kind of funny because he was like okay I get what all of these are but in your opinion what's the least bad and I had to tell him I can't tell you I cannot give you that answer so Uh but basically so what birth control we'll say we'll start with artificial birth control and what that is is it's a a pill i mean you'll see like girls have like the little, little ring circle birth control packet and what it basically does is it blocks all of your female hormones chemically it's kind of castrating you and so you cannot become pregnant you can't have a baby if you don't have those female hormones in your body not only is this dangerous because strips you of your female hormones then later on women have complications such as infertility Um, it leads to staggering rates in breast cancer lots of health issues later on but also and this is kind of like something doctors don't really talk about but birth control can actually induce abortions as well so it doesn't always work sometimes a woman will still have a fertilized embryo so basically she'll still become pregnant even if she's on birth control but what that birth control pill will do will create what doctors call a hostile environment within her uterus basically preventing that embryo from implanting within her uterine wall so it'll prevent that embryo from implanting giving that embryo a little baby you know the nutrients that it would need it takes all that away and then basically the mother would kind of like have a very premature abortion of a very early embryo but still a unique person and that would be the through of her system so Chemical birth control can cause abortions, which is something people don't talk about. And the dangerous side effects also people don't really talk about, but it can be very, very harmful for women, Um, especially, you know, women will be on birth control for years and then come off of it when they decide they're ready to have a family, but then find out that they are infertile because of birth control. So it really is incredibly dangerous, um, especially for young women who end up on it for years and years and years. So, yeah.
0: I've heard that there was the the birth control, I guess, the the morning after pill, the one you take, if you think that you could have gotten pregnant. Um, And when you mean that um, all birth control, so you're saying that all birth control can also cause um, an abortion, not just the morning after pill, but just the regular ones?
1: Yes. Chemical abortions can, or chemical, excuse me, chemical birth control can. Okay. Obviously something like a condom wouldn't do that, but chemical all uh, oh, got it Yeah. The
0: control yeah. the ones that the ones that you take
1: yes yeah can do that yeah
0: some women who are in birth control for a while and they meet their partner they're with their partner and then they get off or, and then they get married or whatever they get off birth control when they're ready and then they realize that the attraction changes because you have been blocking your your hormones yeah. so maybe you know there's not that chemistry there because you met a person when you were on on on, on birth control. Right, and when yeah. when you're off it, your natural body takes over and then you're like, Oh, wait a second. Now my partner smells really bad.
1: Oh yeah. No, this is a thing. I've seen studies where women will be on birth control and I guess they're attracted to somebody's pheromones. That's yeah. 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 And then they come off of birth control and suddenly they're not attracted to them anymore because I guess like the pheromones change and like even so something like somebody's smell isn't attracted to you anymore. So it's crazy the amount of chemical changes that women undergo just because they're on birth control. But it really does chemically castrate you. I mean, it completely strips women of all of the unique physical chemicals inside of them that make them a woman. So it really, I mean, if you look at it from that standpoint, even like pro-life or not pro-life, like it's just really dangerous for your health.
0: So a, a great alternative would be, I guess, NFP, natural family planning. I mean, it's I don't consider it a Concept that it's not, it's very accepted by the church uh, mm. to do. And it's the best thing one can do if they're trying to plan a family, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think I've read studies too that say that in the long run, I mean, health wise, it's just so much more not only effective, but it's also so much healthier for relationships too. Not just because it's number one, keeping a mom off of, you know, artificial birth control and things like that, but when you have a partner and you can respect them and respect them enough as a person to not want to like you know just let your urges and your go over i mean that's really beneficial for a relationship too because there's so much more respect and value that's going on rather than just you know flying with whatever so it's it's definitely ethical alternative but it's it's really the better alternative all the way around so yeah natural family planning would be definitely our when we recommend you know terms of birth control even though it's not really yeah in the artificial sense oh that's definitely what we would recommend yeah
0: and it's actually i would i would even say that i would go far and say it's even the opposite because i had a wonderful podcast with uh with a person down here where that's what they they teach nfp you know one of the major three types and it actually can help people get pregnant if you're struggling because Sometimes you don't if you don't track your 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 cycle, you don't know where you are and you're trying and you're trying, but you can't, you know, and it can solve they were very confident that they could solve the majority of infertility issues can be solved by tracking your 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 cycle and knowing when you guys can come together and when to increases your chances of of, of having a baby. So
1: absolutely. Yeah. When you're that in tune with your body, and I feel like as women, we're kind of already very in tune with like The cycles of our body especially if you're not on artificial birth control or anything like that when you're doing nfp you just become so in tune with how you're feeling and what's going on in your body so i feel like it would be so much more natural and easier to get pregnant if you were really that in tune with what's going on versus rather than just you know coming off birth control and then trying your hardest to get pregnant but maybe you
0: can't do it so 100 percent yeah so you also mentioned that you guys teach people what abortion really is. Mm-hmm. Can let's dive into that. So what is abortion? I mean, obviously, I know, but for are like, listening-
1: no, I know what you mean. Though. So and this is something that I don't know if you've seen like street polls, but people who work with different conservative research groups will go on to campus and they'll go up to kids, well, college students, and they'll ask them, you know, what is abortion? And people most of the time could not give you a solid answer for what abortion really is. And I mean, if there's anybody watching who really doesn't know what abortion is, it's the taking of an innocent life. Mm. Um, but, you know, there I've seen interviews with college students where they just think that it's, I hear this phrase all the time, terminating a pregnancy. But what is a pregnancy? You know, it's an innocent human life. So what we kind of specialize in is educating when life begins, because for some reason that is a huge confusion around the medical community, even though uh-huh. it's not. But life begins from the moment of conception. Um, and so we place a lot of emphasis on that and then the different types of abortion abortions just to kind of educate people what's really going on. And especially since we kind of live in this world of abortion regulation versus just kind of no exceptions, no compromise, we're seeing a lot of laws that are being touted as pro-life laws because they stop abortion from 10 weeks on. But babies who are you know, one to 10 weeks are still, that's still a human life. So when we say we focus a lot on what abortion is, it's really reminding people that even though a baby might be one week old, two weeks old, that baby's life still has as much value as say the 11 week old baby that gets to live. So yeah, that's kind of what we mean when we say we talk about what abortion really is. I guess a better term would be what it really does. Um, So yeah, but especially since we live in this very let's regulate abortion kind of political sphere. That's a lot of our emphasis is on reminding people that, you know, baby at three weeks and baby at 13 weeks, still a baby, still a unique person, still a unique set of DNA. Um. So, yeah, just kind of the inherent dignity and value that's afforded to us from the moment of conception that people don't seem to really talk about in the pro-life movement. But we definitely do, so. Yeah,
0: and then, and then, the- Science has been teaching, biology has been teaching that, that life starts at conception in all life forms. Yeah. Right. So, but now, but now people seem to have forgotten that.
1: Right. And there's actually, so there's some talk in the medical community where people actually went in and redefined the moment of when life begins. So, there's a big kind of argument where some people say it starts at creation, others say it starts at implantation. And so, when you're talking about things like the plan b pill or you know birth control abortions those kinds of things a lot of people won't even say that, that is abortion because in the medical community especially in the abortion side of the medical community they have changed the definition of when life begins to implantation rather than conception so of course if a baby's life doesn't begin until it's implanted in the mother's uterus then you know using a plan b pill wouldn't technically be an abortion so that's kind of how people are getting away with this whole oh plan b is not really an abortion um birth control abortions don't happen because they say life doesn't begin until implantation which of course we know is not true it begins at a moment of conception
0: so you're leading the blue wave program yeah so what is this blue wave
1: so it's our Marian blue wave which has been around for four years now we've started it in 2019. And it it started because of a tweet from Bishop Strickland in the Diocese of Tyler, Texas. He tweeted in January of 2019, he said, we need a Marian blue wave to end abortion. And so we saw that at American Life League. And, you know, usually the term blue wave is lumped in with the Democratic Party. So we were like, oh, well, that's something we should, you know, take and give back to the Blessed Mother. So we met with Bishop Strickland and asked if we could use that term. And he said, as long as we use it to glorify the Blessed Mother. He didn't care. We could do whatever we want with it. So what we ended up doing is we launched a program that asks Catholics to pray a rosary once a week for the specific intentions of ending all types of abortion, shutting down all Planned Parenthood facilities, and for the conversion of people who work in abortion facilities and for mothers choosing abortion. And so since we've been around, uh, we have more than 10,000 people who have signed up, not just in the U.S., but in 31 different countries around the world, and and when people sign up, we have a map on our website that actually puts a little blue dot over their zip code area. And so it's kind of created like an actual blue wave across the world, which is which is pretty cool. Um. So, but I mean, since we've been around for four years, we've had more than half a million rosaries said for the Marian Blue Wave intentions. And in those four years, we've seen more than 70 Planned Parenthood facilities closed for good. And we've seen the end of Roe versus Wade, which, of course, is a huge victory and a step in the right direction. So there's lots of work still to be done. Um, But when we started the Marian Blue Wave, we really wanted to put emphasis on that abortion is a spiritual issue. And so how do you end a spiritual battle Well, you need to use spiritual weapons? So that's why we wanted to create a program that really focused on the power of the rosary.
0: I love it. I love it. So people can be part of this by signing up on the website. Yep. Right. And then I just go on my own and with my friends and we do a little rosary a week for. Yeah,
1: it's pretty, it's pretty easy. I mean, okay. the only reason we ask people to sign up, it's not like this doesn't cost any money or anything. The only reason we ask people to sign up is so that they can, their dot can be on the map so that we can actually see like where everybody has signed up. And so we'll send out a reminder email every Monday just telling people, you know, hey, this is your reminder. Don't forget to say your rosary this week. But other than that, that's pretty it. So it's pretty it, simple. I mean, there's not a lot of rules to it. It's probably the easiest that you can participate in, but it's, it's really powerful. And it's something that has helped me personally grow quite a bit. I've been Catholic my whole life, but I never really had too much of a dedication to the rosary until I started leading this program. And it wasn't even like it was my idea. It was just something that it was a program and it needed somebody to help manage it. So my manager asked if I wanted to help out. And so I feel like it's, you know, God, God has a plan, right? And so I can look back at that and look at the last four years of my life and see how much the rosary has impacted my life and just be like really grateful for this program because yes, it's helping end abortion and change hearts and minds, but also it's, it's helped me grow tremendously to have such a, a dedication to the rosary and to the blessed mother. So it's been, I feel really very blessed and privileged to be a part of this program.
0: The map thing, I think it's cool too, because it allows people to see that they're the There's people like them praying for a particular mission, and you can see how they're all over the world. So,
1: absolutely, and it really—I mean, we started it in 2018, but it wasn't until COVID happened, ironically enough, that it really took off. And I think it's because people felt so isolated during COVID, and here was this huge community of Catholics around the world who were all praying for the same attention. And you know, you were kind of connected to this big community, even if you were in Kansas and somebody else is in Florida. So, I mean, it was this really big community of devoted Catholics praying for the same intentions, even though everybody was all across the world. So, even though, you know, COVID was horrible, this was kind of a good thing to come out of it, was this really dedicated community to praying the rosary.
0: So, what other programs do you guys run from the American Life League?
1: So, our next biggest program is our STOP Planned Parenthood program, and it's spelt out S-T-O-P-P, the two P's at the end stand for Planned Parenthood. And STOP has been around since the 90s, um, and it it ended up merging with American Life League in the late 90s, but STOP is the oldest and largest resource database on Planned Parenthood. So two times a year, our STOP program will consolidate and compile Planned Parenthood data and turn them into research reports for reporters to use, um, you know, different investigative reports to use, so right now we're working on our CEO salary report, which is a c- compiled report of all of the salaries of different Planned Parenthood affiliate CEOs. So everybody thinks that there's like just one big Planned Parenthood organization, but really there's one big Planned Parenthood kind of like umbrella organization. And then below it, there's hundreds of affiliates that work in you know every state across the world. So the CEO report will go through and give basically a rundown of what every Planned Parenthood affiliate CEO will make. And since they're technically a nonprofit, it's kind of staggering to see that, you know, for instance, the CEO of their California affiliate makes $600,000 a year. Wow. So it, it's a very revealing report that comes out once a year, kind of on the inner workings of Planned Parenthood and where they actually spend their money. And the other report that we do comes out in December and it's the Planned Parenthood Facilities Report that basically kind of takes an inventory of what Planned Parenthood's opened that year and what Planned Parenthood's closed down. So it's all good and well to do pro-life work. But if you're not actually doing anything, you know, that's making a difference. It's what's the point. So this Planned Parenthood Facilities Report comes out once a year to show people, you know, just how much our work has done to shut down Planned Parenthood. So in 2020, for example... They, I mean, it was kind of a, a rough year for Planned Parenthood. They closed down 37 of their facilities. So, uh, and we had our last report showed, I think they shut down 18 in the last year. So it's kind of just a running stop on where they're at and where, how many they're opening and how many they're closing. So, but this stop program will also go into different communities via people who go into communities where Planned Parenthood is trying to open a new facility and will basically teach a community how to, to most of the time shut down Planned Parenthood before they even open. So a lot of the times that's like going into county records and or, do they have the correct zoning permit? You know, do they have a medical license to operate in the facility that they're at? Because a lot of times Planned Parenthood, when they want to open a new facility, will buy up property in a, usually a strip mall where they're not zoned to do medical work. Are People can go in and kind of see, you know, where they're planning on opening or are they actually allowed legally to do what they want to do there? And most of the time, the answer is no. So when the community is able to figure these things out, when they have big county meetings and things like that, people can go in and petition to shut down Planned Parenthood before they even open. We do help people shut down Planned Parenthoods that have opened already, but a lot of the times we're able to get them shut down before they even open.
0: Awesome. And... This is something that STOP teaches communities to do. Like, yep. like if we have like a pro-life movement in our church and we, we can con- contact STOP and then they'll te- give us the resources we need to take action.
1: Absolutely. Yep. We have people who will come and give talks on what, like give you a plan. This is what you need to do. This is how you need to accomplish it. And STOP has been around for so long. It's built up a pretty hefty network of people who do this on a regular basis. So, I mean, we're, we're willing to travel. We'll go anywhere. But if there is somewhere where maybe we can't get there right away, we have a pretty extensive network of people who can probably get there before we can. So it's one of those like undercover, let's shut down Planned Parenthood networks. that <laughs> runs like underground in every country. So it's pretty cool. It's one of our coolest programs, I think.
0: Cool. All yeah. right. And tell me about the Culture of Life program.
1: So the Culture of Life Studies program has been around for, probably 5 or 6 years and it's it's a when when i say we do education this is like the most intentionalized form of that so it's a a program that creates lesson plans for grades uh, K through 12 and it's not lesson plans in the sense that this is the only thing you need to use but it's supplemental lesson plans so it's pro life lessons that you can add to things you're already doing so, like, for the littler kids, it'll be, like, a pro-life coloring book that gives you, you know, pictures of saints and pro-life heroes and a little coloring book that kids can, like, learn to associate, you know, this is Saint Mola, And then, you know, color a picture of Saint Gianna. So, it's it's things like that. But then as kids get older and grades go up, like, we have a high school lesson on Humana Vitae that's really informative. We have nice. a high on Margaret Sanger that's one of our most popular things that kids really need to know, especially if they're going to grow up and be young pro life adults and it's supplemental lessons that you can kind of already add in to what you're doing. So it's used in a lot of homeschool programs, but there's also different Catholic dioceses around the country that'll use it in their Catholic schools. So that's and I think everything is available online. So if anybody wanted to check it out, it's on our website. But then I think Culture of Life Studies also has their own website that you can go and do with downloads and things like that on
0: there. What is what is your favorite part of all this mission that you're on because you're you're on a mission you're in the front lines like I said when we first spoke you're in the trenches for life definitely
1: I think honestly my favorite part about this is that I get to help people and before I worked at American Life League I worked in I I got my degree in journalism so I worked in like a publishing company for a while when I got out of school and I thought that's what I wanted to do and I was like you know very gung-ho to be in corporate america and after half a year of working in the on the publishing side of the corporate world i was just kind of burnt out i mean it was it was really intense and it was very you know everybody's out for themselves everybody's trying to get their own promotion everybody's out to get the best salary and i'm sure there's a lot of beauty in that but for me i was like what is the point of all of this this isn't helping anybody It was like draining my soul. I mean, it was just horrible. And so I wanted to do something that really helped people. And so when I started to work for American Link League, I didn't know really what I wanted to do. I had all of this like publishing experience and I knew that I could use it here, but I didn't know what I wanted to do with it. So when I realized that I can kind of use what I know to help people and to just make a difference, even if it's a really small difference, that for me is the best part of this job that I get to, you know, Talk to people every day and help them and maybe change somebody's mind, you know, maybe say something that'll help somebody figure out what their next move is. So, for me, that's the best part about all this.
0: So, you mentioned support there. So, let's say, uh, let's say, I guess a soon to be mom is not sure, or somebody who is recently pregnant, you know, but doesn't want to, you know, in, doesn't want to go through an abortion and they reach out for help. And I go, how does that go?
1: sure so we always have somebody manning our phones here um and we have our network of associates um so basically america think, like we've been around for so long that we're able to have contacts pretty much all over the country and so if somebody called looking for help and they didn't know what to do and maybe they know what their problem is but they you know don't know who to call we have our network of associates that we can pull from so if somebody called me And we're based in Virginia, but if somebody called me from North Carolina and they were pregnant and they're scared and they don't know what to do, I can connect them with our associates in North Carolina. So it's one of the good things about being around for so long is we have such an extensive network built up that if and when somebody does call looking for help, we're able to give them that help that they need.
0: Okay. And and just out of curiosity, how does the help look like?
1: So we have a lot of uh, pregnancy resource centers that when I say like a network of associates, it's, it's pregnancy resource centers. And some are pro-life doctors, some are Catholic church groups, you know, pro-life church
0: okay.
1: to help people. But usually, nine times out of ten, it's a pregnancy resource center. So they can help. Maybe the mom hasn't even had a pregnancy test yet. You know, they can offer her pregnancy tests, um, ultrasounds. They can, most of the time, they'll have baby closets where she can, you know, get baby clothes, formula diapers, those kinds of things most of the time for free. If, if I mean, if she does have to pay for it, it's very little. So these Pregnancy Resource Centers are really her main source of support when it comes to, you know, a mom finding out that she's pregnant and doesn't know what to do. They're able to help her financially, um, you know, medically, all of the things that she's looking for that she doesn't have. The Pregnancy Resource Center will be able to give those things to her.
0: Awesome. So let's talk a little bit about you sure. I, know, I know that you you teach some volleyball right i do
1: yep so i am um we're based in virginia and our local catholic high school here is saint michael the archangel catholic high school and i am their varsity volleyball coach um i've been doing that for two years now and i've played volleyball in high school but i never considered myself really good and then my little sister joined the volleyball team at her high school and they didn't have a coach because it was covid so I said that I would help them out supplementally and it's been two years. So it's it's really fun though to work with young women because it's just, it's something that I never thought I would do. And it's, it's really fun to be able to watch them grow as young people because I, I start out with them when they're 14 and then by the time they graduate, they're 18. So it's cool to see them grow and then just to be kind of a positive influence on them because young people don't have a lot of positive influences these days. So it, it's cool to be that for somebody, especially because young people are so, their face was such an uphill battle these days. So it's nice to be that for young people.
0: And uh, how many siblings do you have?
1: Four. I have two sisters and two brothers.
0: Four. Okay. I was expecting for you to say eight.
1: Yeah. I know. <laughs> kind of a smaller Catholic family, I guess. But when I was a kid, people would always see us and Oh, baby, like look at my parents we're like oh my gosh are these all your kids and my dad would joke and be like no we left four at home uh, in so yeah i mean a little when we look at big Catholic we're a little bit on the smaller side but still lots of fun growing up
0: yeah no that's cool and i when i went to I i went to francisco university in ohio for right. Oh for my, for my master's and I, I i have only one sibling so it's just two right. of us we come from peru from latin america you know we don't know how that culture of having large families so yeah. here here in Miami as well a lot of Latinos smaller families two four but right. when I went to Franciscan everybody was nine ten twelve eight oh, and I was goodness like goodness. I was at my which is great I was like wow I mean I I could I could I would welcome another sibling
1: that's <laughs> awesome I went to Belmont Abbey College in uh, Charlotte North Carolina and it was the same there my roommates had like 12 siblings, eight siblings. So I always felt like the smaller end of it because it's just the five of us. But but yeah, that's awesome to have big families.
0: Yeah, definitely. We, the large families are going to keep the culture and the United States alive. And like Europe, but they're not having babies. So they're not going to be around. Yeah,
1: big Catholic families will save the world, I really think.
0: 100%. Yeah. <laughs> so what other things are you into? Like
1: um, so I live on a farm actually my on oh, nice. any farm with myself and my dog. um, and we it's my my family's farm. It's been around for hundreds of years. Uh, I live on one side of the farm, and my grandparents live on the other side. so it it's really cool because I get to like go home and just walk through the fields after work during the day. It's kind of like the sound of music. It's very cool. okay, but um uh, but yeah its it's i'm that's kind of like where I spend all my free time is on our farm. So it's a lot of fun though, because we, so my mom grew up there and it was looking a little, like it would get sold there for a while. So it's, it's, like I said, it's been in our family for like hundreds of years. And last year, my mom's side of the family was just kind of over it. They wanted to sell it. So my mom and my dad were able to come in and like save it at the last minute. And so my mom and I spent the last year and a half renovating our family farmhouse, which is on the farm. So it was really cool to just kind of like have a project where my mom and I could renovate something that was has been in our family for decades um, and just be a part of like saving that piece of history because farmland is getting turned into, you know, communities all the time. So it's nice that we were able to save it.
0: Are you, and farm? are you farming anything there at the moment?
1: Not currently. So it was a cow farm for the longest oh, time. Nice. Okay. Want we to get cows back on it, but we have lots of work we need to do. There's no fences right now, so if yeah. we were cows out there, they would be all up in the neighbor's backyard. So we got yeah, to we got to get some fences out there.
0: Exactly. Then you have that. I'm assuming you have a sheriff, and they'll help. you be like, "Hey, you know, your cows are."
1: Right, and they keep like, "Hey, your cows are in the street again. We've got exactly. To get <laughs> exactly.
0: Cool. I'm gonna. I'm gonna." Tell one of my colleagues, I mean, even though we're here in like in the heart of Miami, she uh she wants to eventually live in a farm. That's so, awesome. so, like, like down here it's it's not something you would expect when yeah. someone out of college and then the lives in the city and then you're having a conversation, getting to know each other in the office, and they're like, Oh yeah, I want to grow up and live in a farm. I'm like, Oh, good, good.
1: Yeah, that's pretty cool. It's pretty common around here because it's I mean Fredericksburg, where our office is a smaller town and then around it. Is like all farmland so it's pretty common here but i mean you drive an hour north and you're in dc so there's not a lot of farms up that way so it's nice that we have it a little bit still down here
0: what about long term where do you see yourself in this life mission of yours
1: that's a really good question honestly i don't really think this and this is probably not good but i really don't think about like long term i don't know i'm i'm not like a very long-term planner But I'm happy where I'm at right now. And I just kind of really think that, you know, God's got a plan and when and if he would like me to make a career change or put me on a different path, I'm ready and willing to follow whatever that path is. But I really think that where I'm at right now is where he needs me to be. So I'm here right now. But if he ever decides that I need to be somewhere else, I'm open and willing to answer that call, whatever.
0: it is. Well, that's been wonderful, Katie. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. I have one more question for you, which is our closing question here on the show is, what do you like most about your faith?
1: I think I like most about being able to grow. You know, having a relationship with God is a fluid thing. And I think the best part about it is that we never really, I'm just going to sound bad, we never really figure it out. We're always kind of like growing and evolving and learning more about our faith. So there's always more to grow and there's always something else to learn and i love that it's never a closed book it's always there's there's another chapter and i love that
0: awesome. katie thank you so much for joining us in the show telling us all about the american and Life league and the marion blue wave and a little bit about your life
1: yeah thank you so much for having me this was a lot of fun